0: So good to see you all here on this first Sunday of Lent. Uh, don't worry, I didn't run out of gas yet. I was speaking at the, at the beginning of my Armenian message. I was telling everybody that you're all very lucky because during Lent, Badarak is like uh, twice as fast, and then we do call, and we're finished before noon. So that gives me like 45 minutes to talk. So we get to all enjoy each other's company in church for a little while longer. Uh, and i don 't have to feel as though that i 'm keeping you all uh, no I, I do I do appreciate that the the nature of church on Sunday morning, the uh, nature of Badarak, is different during Lent. It's, it's very different because our life has to change, right? We have to step out of the, our normal day-to-day routine so that we can look at our life in a different and fresh way. So we're being proactive about that in the church by doing things a little bit different. If everything continued unceasingly the same exact way, you'd come in and it would just be part of your routine. But this is not routine. This is set aside as an exceptional period of time for us to consider some very important things about our own lives. And um, the thing which we've been charged to consider today is this concept of expulsion, right? So we have different Sundays, and of course, those of you that have been coming to church for years, you know you come to church on Sundays during Lent, and every single Sunday has a different theme and a different story. All of the Orthodox churches have this structure. They have a theme to each Sunday during Lent. They're not the same. They're unique in the Armenian church. Our structure is unique. What The Sundays that you encounter during Lent are unique to the Armenian church because our church fathers felt as though it was important to think about and consider certain things. And they felt as though it was important that we consider the expulsion from paradise on this first Sunday of Great Lent. Now, perhaps we don't think about the expulsion from paradise very often. Of course, in early Christian theologians, this story was very prominent in trying to understand why it was that Christ came to us um, and why he was incarnate and why he had to die. This is all part of the story of salvation and us having to be cleansed of original sin. And if we don't understand why there was this story about the expulsion in the Old Testament, then what happens in the New Testament doesn't make any sense at all. So the first lesson that we're learning at the beginning of the uh, The Great Lenten journey, is that the Old Testament is a very important part of our story of who we are as Christians. But Christ, in the very passage that we encounter today in the Gospel of Matthew, um, in, in what we consider one of his primary ethical sermons, he's talking to us about ethics in this sermon, how we're supposed to live our life, he's telling us, I didn't come to get rid of the law. I didn't come to get rid of the prophecies. I didn't come to say all that stuff is irrelevant, even though I'm telling you something new, even though I'm promising you something new, all the stuff that came before me still matters, and it still has power and authority, okay? Which, for many of us until today, is something that we struggle with, because especially early Christians, they looked at the uh, content of the Old Testament, and they said, how does this match up with what I'm encountering in this message of love that's coming from Jesus Christ, right? Right? Uh, in fact, there were tons of heresies that happened in the early church where they said, well, maybe there's two gods. Maybe there's an old god and there's a new god. And something happened and the new god is the guy that's in charge now because it doesn't seem to jive. Well, early Christian theologians very early on rejected that thought and they said, no, no, there's only there's a god. If there's a god, there's only one god. Otherwise, the way we understand him doesn't make sense at all. So there's one god, but somehow his relationship with us evolves over time. And our own understanding of him is evolving over time in a way that matters. And it took a giant leap forward through the life of Jesus Christ. As a Christian, he's telling us we have to look back at all that stuff that came before him and understand it through the lens of his life and through the lens of his message. If we try to open up the Old Testament and understand it just the way that it is, just we open it up, I'm here on First Samuel and I'm reading about this prophet, I, none of this means anything important to me if I don't understand who Jesus is. I can't interpret it on its own. I have to understand who Jesus is. So Jesus says, I am going to keep these things in not uh, in the old way, but in the new way. Okay? So try to understand what that new way is. He said that if you heard it told that you would be punished if you committed murder, then I'm telling you, even if you think poorly or angrily about your brother, then you will still be punished. He's trying to tell us it's not just about what we do, but it's also about how we feel and what we think, and that all of those things are very important in terms of defining our relationship with our Father in Heaven. And so, understanding that, we can go back to the very beginning of the Old Testament and try to understand creation itself, to try to understand Adam and Eve and paradise and their expulsion from paradise itself through the lens of Jesus Christ. That this is an important task. When we think about creation we have to understand that the creation story, according to the Christian experience, is very unique. Every culture, every people has an explanation for why we're here, right? I mean, if you go to Africa or you go to China or if you go to the Native American peoples, all of these people have an explanation. They have an origin story, a creation story. But the Judeo-Christian creation is unique in one very important way. It came from nothing, and it came into being by the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. This is what the evangelist John told us. It came from the Word. He didn't create it out of stuff. There was nothing, but the Word was there, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was Jesus Christ, and creation happened, and everything was good. In that most abstract and beautiful way, our story and explanation for the beginning of this universe is absolutely unique and in many ways absolutely fitted to correspond with our contemporary understanding of the origins of the universe in a way that no other ancient creation story is. And that we were created with the word tells us what? That we were meant to be with the word and live by the word. That is, by idea, by ration, by thought. My will That is at the core of what has been baked into our destiny, is to use that will and to use that rationality. Now, what happened when Adam and Eve were expelled? They took the gift of their rationality and they took the gift of their free will and they used it to oppose God. That's the beginning of sin. That's the source of expulsion. That's the story of our lives. And that's at the root of the evil that we encounter in the world that we're a part of today. When we look back at what happened a few days ago in Florida, only the latest tragedy in a long list of tragedies that seems to, in an increasing way, um, plague our society, we ask ourselves, how? We ask ourselves, why? As I saw somebody on... Facebook recently posts, you know, they posted a, something about prayers for the for the children whose lives were lost and somebody said, "Well, where was God when these children were killed?" It's a valid question because if we care about those kids, then we want to understand how something like this could happen. But we only have to turn back to the very root of the corruption that's in the heart of mankind and understand that when we use our rationality, when we use our will to oppose God's, then sin will happen. It was not God's will that those children should have died. It was not God's will that this man should have done what he did. But he used the God-given gifts which he had in his life for evil, and he opposed God's will. And so we see tragedy take place. We can't hate God for that but instead we have to turn inward as a people and as individuals and ask ourselves, how are we weak in that we use the gifts that we've been given, beginning with our life and our minds, to oppose God's will? And how can we use them better to live in harmony with God's will? This is the message that Christ has given to us, that if we do that, then that expulsion which Adam and Eve experienced should not be our fate, but that through his love and mercy we should be granted access to that paradise because he does love us. And the one thing we know for sure about his will is that he wants us to be with us. This much we can um, certainly be thankful for and grateful for throughout this Lenten journey. And I hope that you have the opportunity to cultivate that gratitude and reflection in your life in the weeks to come. Amen.